0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Orton Family Foundation's Heart and Soul Talks Conference Call Series, when we focus on key tools and solutions aimed at building better communities through empowering residents to plan their future based on what matters most to them. Community Heart and Soul is the Orton Family Foundation's signature community development and planning methodology. Familiarity with Community Heart and Soul is helpful, but not necessary, to gain some of the great knowledge and ideas from today's guests and from our listeners who will be chipping in on the Google Doc. My name is Fran Stoddard and today we'll focus on social media as an important tool to reach out to and engage community members. You'll hear how social media can work for you in your town with insight and practical tips from Leslie Wright, Communications Associate here at Orton, and Julie Brown, Program Director at the Findlay Hancock County Community Foundation in Ohio. We have over 150 folks registered today, so we've put um, those listeners on mute to keep the audio as clean as possible. In your email is a link to our Google Doc. It's a shared online document for note-taking and questions, so you can interact with us there um, and also with this listening community. You can open the doc in your browser so you can follow along as Orton's Caitlin Davison takes notes on our speakers' presentations and their answers. We hope you add your own comments or questions to the document at any time. It's a good idea to skim through there now to see questions that have already come in to avoid redundancy. If you have a question during the call, please enter it on the Google Doc. We will leave this document up after the call for your continued input and reference. And in a few days, we'll also send out the document link to all participants with call notes and this podcast. Since the Google Doc can handle only 50 people as active document editors at a time, if you aren't adding to the document by using the edit button, you can please close out and then reopen the Doc in the read-only mode. If you're having any trouble with the Google Doc during the call, you can usually click on the refresh icon, and that should take care of it. If you're having any technical issues or would like to submit questions by email, please contact Caitlin at cdavison at orton.org. Thanks. Uh, that address is probably at the top of the Google Doc, which I will have to double check, but I'm sure it's there. It's Caitlin's address. So, on to our guests. Leslie Wright is a communications associate at Orton, where she helps to spread the word about community, heart, and soul. That includes writing e-newsletters and blog posts, posting on Facebook, and tweeting on Twitter. Prior to joining Orton, Leslie worked at Shelburne Museum, where she created the museum's social media presence while serving as manager of public relations and marketing. Before moving to public relations, she was a daily news reporter covering local government, business, and tourism. And when she's not working, she is outdoors as much as possible, chasing her dog through the woods, biking, or skiing. Leslie's going to give us a high-level look at how social media can help strengthen our community. Go ahead, Leslie. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Fran. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining our call today. Well, as Fran mentioned, I uh, came to social media first discovered it well 12 years ago now and I was a reporter I wasn't totally enamored with it um, perhaps threatened by it even how could someone in 140 words uh, 140 characters do something that I was doing daily in the newspaper better than I and uh, as you know the newspaper industry has been fairly upended uh, by social media and new media and but I've come around to love social media. I think it's a fantastic way to tell stories, and I think it's really an essential tool for community engagement and uh, community heart and soul too. It's not the only tool you'd wanna be using uh, to spread the word, but it it's complements well all of your other a- efforts and dovetails with your, whether you're doing email blasts, paid advertising, press releases, your website, it's, it's just another tool in your toolkit uh, that works extraordinarily well to get the word out. And when I'm talking about social media, I think for this talk, purposes of this talk, we're really talking about the um, behemoth that begins with F, Facebook, uh, and I think they just announced fourth quarter earnings today of – now, this is fourth quarter earnings of $1.5 billion. Um, so they really are the common denominator in social media. You know, lots of people will say, well millennials might be using Instagram and youth might be using Snapchat or Yik Yak, but uh probably everyone has a Facebook page, if they're on social media or they're inclined to social media. And uh they might be on Snapchat or Yik Yak because they know that their parents are watching Facebook and they don't want their conversations on Facebook. So I think Facebook is the common denominator. So that's really, I think, how I'm gearing my my remarks today. But here's why I really love social media, and there are three big reasons. First, it allows you to control your content. You, you Not only do you create your content, you can control your message and when your message goes out. That really doesn't happen if you issue a press release. You don't know if uh, receiving in the paper or the website is going to print all of it, some of it, none of it. You don't know when. You're not sure where it's going to appear. and Or maybe a reporter is going to call you. So, and then you really don't know what part of the uh press release or message they're going to get. So social media allows you to take the reins on that. And I think that's a great thing. The other great – second thing I really like Facebook for is events, letting people know about events. You can even create an event page inside Facebook, but also you you can let people know when your event is coming, you can remind them when it's coming, you can remind them again that it's coming. And on the day of the event, I've even um, gone to the event, taken a few photos, quickly got them up on Facebook and said, hey, come on down to our event, it's happening, lots of people are here, look at these photos. And I know when I worked at the museum and we had events, that was really effective. Because people would say, they'd comment on the post and then I'd see them at the event. So that can be very effective. And finally, after your event, post the photos from your event. And people can take a look at those and it's a perfect time to promote your next happening So people can say, oh, you know, I really wish I'd been there, but hey, look, I can catch this next one. So you not only create buzz about the event that you're doing now, but you're able to start building a following for your next happening. And in uh, community heart and soul, that's very important, that getting people out, reaching new audiences, uh, and getting them to come to your events is a very important piece of engagement. Finally, I think really the holy grail uh, of social media is its ability to build community. And that's what the all the big brands in this country are on Facebook to build community, whether it's Ford or McDonald's or Target, whoever it is, they're after trying to build community. Now the beauty of communities is you've got community. You don't have to manufacture that or pay PR people a lot of money to to make that. You do need to tap into that, however. And that, I think, is what social media is really great at doing. And that means reaching people kind of on an emotional level and uh, getting them to really care about their town or see something their town in a new way, if we're talking about a town or a community. Um, And how do you do that? Well, with compelling images, with um stories that get people to participate in a conversation. Um I sent out an email before this talk to a couple of people in Heart and Soul Towns and I asked them, what worked for you um uh, on Facebook and uh Delilah in Biddeford, Maine said, well, we really had good luck with Throwback Thursdays, which today happens to be Throwback Thursday. It's a thing on Facebook, probably many of you are familiar with, and people will post uh, photos. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're historic, just from the past. And you, you put a hashtag on it, TBT, for Throwback Thursday, and anyone following that hashtag will see your post. But that it usually evokes an emotional response about a place. and it's, and. I think Laconia, New Hampshire, another community heart and soul town, used Throwback Thursday and had good luck with that too. Uh, another example I'd like to give you just briefly is happened last week, kind of serendipitously. People will tell you it's a great idea to schedule and plan your social media posts, and I agree with that, but sometimes you've got to be open to serendipity. And that's what happened to us last week when actually Julie Brown, who you're going to hear from in a minute, uh, sent us an email. And Julie's email recounted a conversation she overheard at a meeting in Macomb, Ohio. And Macomb is a, a community heart and soul town. And the conversation went something like this Julie heard somebody say, What did, what did you do last weekend? And the response was, well, we had a fundraiser and she said it was a casual response. We had a fundraiser and a thousand people showed up and, uh, it was for the florist, the local florist who has cancer. And, uh, we raised $23,000. And Julie, who was recounting this to us, said, tagged her little, uh, quote with, isn't this small town America at its finest? And I thought, oh, well, there, that could be a Facebook post. I was kind of scrounging around that day for something to post, and Julie graciously allowed us to um, post her the content of her email. I found a photo of uh, a water tower in Macomb that I happened to have and put that up there to get a photo with it, just to get some photo. And and I really, the post kind of broke a lot of rules for Facebook. It was a little bit long, a little, little bit of heavy on text, the photo wasn't super compelling, it didn't show people, it you know, wasn't a cute kid, but that's what I had, so I put it up. Well, a day later, I happened to be doing some Facebook Insights, I didn't think anything of it, and I was looking at in Facebook Insights, which are where you go to see how things are performing, it's your analytics for Facebook, and my eyeballs about fell out of my head when I saw that the reach of this post was at that point it was six thousand. Now we only have fifteen hundred fans on the orton um Facebook page, so it was outperforming our fans like a lot, and it had been shared, and there was a whole conversation thread going uh someone weighed in from Macomb saying, "Isn't this is great? This is our town and someone else weighed in and said, "That's my uncle and Someone weighed in. Someone commented from Italy. I don't know you, but good luck. And (laughs) you know, so it really we had this great conversation going, and um, we ended up over 9,000 reach on this particular post, and uh, something like 160 likes and just a ton of comments. So, much to my surprise, this post performed really well and I thought about it and I thought, well this is it. This is what you're after. This is we struck a nerve clearly. We this went this was an emotional appeal to something we can all identify with, unfortunately. Um but it had a happy ending. It was a story with a happy ending. It, they raised the money for this person. It hit it's right in our wheelhouse at Orton in community heart and soul. It was about community. It was about small towns, it was about people coming together. And even though this post didn't mention Orton Family Foundation, and it didn't mention Community Heart and Soul, uh, that was the whole point—not to sell. Uh, It was to just create a tangential experience that people rallied around, and and that is social media gold. And that's really why I love social media because it it, um, it can really build community and and get people in a – get very warm, fuzzy feelings around what you're doing. And very important in community heart and soul, very important in community engagement.
0: Terrific. Thank you so much, Leslie, for giving that, us that kind of overview and, and, and the miraculous story of um, a Facebook post going viral um, just this week. Our next guest brings us her experience from the field, and she is – from that very town. Julie Brown is the program director at the Findlay Hancock Community Foundation in Ohio. She founds her work on the framework of authenticity, integrity, respect, and diversity. Her proudest professional achievement is the partnership with the Orton Family Foundation to create heart and soul communities in her county, and we are so lucky that she took that on. Julie considers growing up in a small town one of her greatest blessings. She has put together a terrific webinar on social media that is a powerful companion to this call. It's called Tips and Tricks for Social Media Success in Community Heart and Soul, and you can click on that after this call and check out that webinar. So welcome, Julie. So from a program director's perspective, could you set us up a bit about how social media works on the ground to promote community heart and soul? Of course, this amazing post from Macomb did go
1: viral, but in what other ways are you using it to promote community heart and soul?
2: Sure, friend. Um Greetings from Ohio to everybody. And I'm excited to talk to you about one of my very favorite topics, which is grassroots social media. And as Fran mentioned, last December we had the opportunity to create a video called Tips and Tricks for Social Media Success. That's on the Horton website. So I would encourage you to use that tool to learn about social media basics, storytelling, the importance of engagement. There's some, I think there's some real goodies on there. So if you have some time... Watch that. I currently also serve as one of the Facebook administrators for the Macomb Region Heart and Soul page, and this page plays a very important role in the Macomb area. Leslie did a wonderful job discussing the role of social media from 30,000 feet, but I'd really like to take it down to the Main Street level. I think social media can be especially important in smaller communities where the town doesn't have its own newspaper, radio, or any other media source. In fact, when we started to work on the Macomb Project, folks in Macomb told the Orton staff that Facebook is the hottest communications tool in town. So um, I I don't ever underestimate how powerful it can be. Personally, I'm especially interested in how social media can change the narrative for a small town. And in the training video, there's this wonderful example of a young, talented storyteller who moved to Haver, Montana, which is a town of 10,000, and when she arrived, she started an anonymous Facebook page to celebrate the people, the things, and the activities in her new hometown. And that Facebook page is called Haver, H-A-V-R-E, um, hyphen Hill County, Montana. I'm sure that'll be on the Google Doc. But, um, this Facebook page has become a conversation hub to celebrate what people love most about living on Montana's Highline. But prior to this page, the social media conversation there focused about what people didn't like about their town. They were talking about how isolated they were geographically and how long and cold the winters were and how what the lack of indoor entertainment looked like, you know, restaurants or things to do, especially in the winter. So all of a sudden, this Facebook page comes along, just created by a volunteer, and really created a conversation hub where people started to talk about what really makes their place special. And so it has 2000 fans, um pretty high engagement. And people were just having conversations about uh did you see the northern lights out your out your bedroom window this morning? I mean, I, that hasn't happened to me, so that's obviously pretty unique. Um wasn't it fun to help our neighbors bring cows in the spring? Um that there's almost like uh that's just something you do if you live in northern Montana. You know, did you get a drink of beer with a U.S. senator when he was in town last night? I don't get a drink of beer in my town with a U.S. senator, but that happens in little towns like that. Did you go to the powwow? So all of a sudden, the whole conversation around the town changed. So I really encourage you to take a peek at that page to see how you can change the narrative for your community. And on the Macomb Region Heart and Soul page, we have tried to host similar conversations, and I think that's really a clue to this. This is just having a conversation, the same conversation that you'd have if you bumped into your neighbor in the backyard, if you're sitting by him at church, or if you meet him at the grocery, talk about the same things in the same ways. And so I want to um, share some a few Macomb success stories with you. Um, as background, there, the US, per the U.S. Census, there's 4,600 people that live in the Macomb region. So then I'm going to talk a little bit about the impact of their uh, Facebook page, um, one of the conversations that happened this fall was about the Macomb High School football team. They were in the top four in the state, and if you've never been to Ohio, we love football. It means a lot to us. So they had some great conversations. They told it a lot of different ways, but I looked, just grabbed one of the posts, and 4,200 people had seen that post. And there are 4,600 people that live in that town. Another conversation they just had within the last week, just those wouldn't it be cool if we had a new restaurant here? What kind of menu would you like? All of a sudden, people were talking. You know, some people wanted hummus. Some people wanted bacon and eggs. Um, some people wanted Amish noodles. It was just a just robust conversation, and it was also aspirational. They were dreaming. And that conversation had uh, 3,800 people saw that. Another post they made recently was um, just as simple as, did you see the video that third graders made at school? Put up a link to the video. 4,400 people saw that, and it was, you know, being widely shared. Grandma's proud. Mom's proud. Teachers are proud. It's just a beautiful sense of community. So those are some examples on that Macomb region heart and soul page that are happening. So I also encourage you to look at that. I feel like um, it's a pretty robust conversation right now. And finally, the thing I think about the most is how can we use social media to inspire people to act? I work at a community foundation, so our goal for our Facebook page is to kind of court future donors and inspire people to give. So that's one example. In my town, there's a Humane Society page. They're, they want to inspire people to adopt pets, and so they have one thing they call Wet Nose Wednesday, and every single Wednesday, whatever pet's on that gets adopted. Like a, Seriously, like a batting average of a 1,000. We have a new performing arts center, so that page is inspiring people, getting people excited about the arts center and inspiring people to buy tickets. So that's another type of action. And finally, the example Leslie gave that happened just in Macomb. To me, this is the purest sense of Facebook. Um, Come to the fundraiser this Saturday to support our local florist and friend who has cancer. 4,300 people saw that post. So we could say, wow, that's exciting. 4,300 people saw it, almost everybody in town. But where the rubber met the road was when 1,000 people came to the event. And then while they were there, they donated $23,000. So those are the call to actions that really do work. Social media can inspire that type of action. So I hope today can help you leverage social media to engage your community and maybe even spark true change.
0: Okay. Julie, thank you so much. That really brings it home. Uh, we're going to get uh, to all of your questions now. There are a lot of questions that came in, and this is the time where you can also add your question to the Google Doc if you wish. So the the um, the first one I'm going to go for is from Joe in Colorado, and he asked, do you see a role for program staff to use social media directly to share about their program areas as opposed to, say, the communication staff to take the lead on content. So does this have to always be filtered through a communication staff? Julie, you wanna start? I know Leslie has a has a thought about this as well.
2: Sure, I'd like to. Um, I'm gonna maybe slip into my program um, director role at the Community Foundation first. So here, the way it would work, is um my job is more of a story collector. So I'm out, I hear stories about grants that are making a difference or I get a grant report that tells a wonderful story or I'm at an event. So my in that situation my duty would be to get it to our communications officer and um just I collect this story, work with her on it, maybe provide a picture, and then she does the actual post. So in a little bit bigger organization that's how it works. But on the other side of it, I work on the Macomb page and just more as a volunteer, and and in that I directly post. So I could see it going either way. If you have communication staff, you have them for a reason, and they're obviously talented in that. So I think if you can build a partnership, that's that's ideal. But in smaller shops, I mean, I I have been a grassroots nonprofit director, and I was doing it all. So so you might have to be nimble in that. Great, Julie. Leslie, anything to add?
1: Yeah, I absolutely second that what Julie says. I think, uh, as a speaking of myself as a PR slash communications person, I sometimes have to fight my um, natural instinct to PR things up, and that's not what Facebook, at its best, is. It's real voices, genuine voices. And when I worked at uh, the museum, there were staff at the museum who were who were doing fascinating work. And they were also very articulate and enjoyed uh, posting. So uh, we always filtered them and just made sure the timing was right and it wasn't conflicting with something else we were doing. But those other voices are really valuable, and people like to hear from the other people behind the scenes. So I I say the more the merrier. Terrific.
0: Terrific. So moving on, uh, there's a question from New York about how to avoid dominance on social media by only a few, while others are wary of disagreeing in a public forum. And it it seems like we might be talking about um, a couple of things here. Uh, One is, you know, if, if there are just two voices on there, you're not really getting the conversation that you want. Maybe we'll address that first, and then. Uh, I I think there's a second aspect if the conversation kind of gets ugly. Um, So, Leslie, do you just want to start off with that? You know, how do you just avoid dominance? How do you get um, a lot of people in the conversation?
1: Well, hopefully your content is um, widely appealing and drawing a number of voices. And maybe you're even uh, instigating, like uh, Julie mentioned earlier, what, what would you like to have on the menu in a new restaurant by asking broader questions that will bring in uh, a broader audience is a good idea as opposed to narrowing it down to hey who wants a, a chinese restaurant in town um, that could is a that is a general practice trying to think in terms of netting the most people with what you're posting i think can help
2: that
0: mm-hmm. So, and and Julie, I know that you've had uh, some very direct uh, experience when things weren't necessarily pretty on a Facebook page, which is always kind of tricky. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about administration roles and page or comment management?
2: Sure. One thing you should have, I think at least two administrators and maybe three. I don't ever – I think over that it gets complicated. And – I personally believe a conversation is a good thing, and so unless somebody is personally attacking or just being obscene, um, I, we try to let it happen as much as possible. I mean, it's, sometimes it gets pretty nerve-wracking, but um, if you if you start a conversation, you need to let people talk. You definitely can't hide comments if it's just they disagree with you. So you know, once you ask the question, you're asking people to answer. So. I think you have to trust in that process. I think we've all been on groups where we've seen um, the group self-moderate, which is always kind of interesting where somebody will call them out. But um, I think what um, Fran was talking about is I had an experience as a as a volunteer that um, went, went wildly wrong. It was – I said I would manage the social media page for a local parade, big event, in town, everybody loves the parade, you know, candies and floats, and um, so what could go wrong, right? Well, in, in our town, there had been a, a, a trial, and the ruling had just come down, and it was kind of contentious. So a group group of people formed around that, and they wanted to march in the parade. So the parade organi- organizer said, no, you can't, you know, this is for kids. Well, all of a sudden, they started to attack that Facebook page, and I don't even—I would be really interested to know how they did it. It was a very orchestrated attack. It came fast, it came furious. I couldn't even keep up with deleting the comments. And so what I learned then is you always need to know how to shut your page down instantly. And I didn't know that, and so I had to kind of give administrative rights to a couple friends, and they helped me figure out how to do that while I was deleting, you know, nasty comments. So. It's probably not going to happen to you, but know how to do it and know how to do it quickly. And the other thing is you need to be monitoring these conversations. Ideally, someone would be getting notifications on their phone. Um, You'd hate to wake up in the morning and have it way out of control by the time you woke up or miss a couple days. So, um, And back to shutting down your Facebook page. If you shut it down, you're not going to lose everything. You're not going to lose all your friends. You're just going to put it to sleep a little bit. So be ready to do that, but I hope you never have to. But I learned that one the hard way. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you,
0: Julie. I think it's a good cautionary tale. I think that this doesn't happen that often. I, I know in, in one of our towns up in Montana, uh, there was some very controversial, and, and it started getting uh, a little ugly, but people took care of it themselves. They worked it out. On Facebook page, I think that they did create a rule if, if there were personal attacks that they would take those down, and, and that was uh, posted and, and people understood that and agreed with that. But some of the disagreements were were actually worked out on, on Facebook, so that was uh, pretty remarkable. Okay, um, on to the next one from uh, Jane in Maine. She's interested in what pap- Percentage of your population are you actually reaching with social media? And maybe we'll say Facebook. I think Joe is also interested in in Twitter and uh, what's going on there. Maybe you can add to the Google Doc if what percentage of your population you think is you are reaching with social media. It sounds like Julie was reaching 100% in Macomb, which is pretty remarkable. Um, so while um, maybe Julie can also respond to that, and Jane also asks, as a follow-up, is boosting a Facebook post worth the cost? So um, what what kind of uh, percentages do you think you're reaching, Julie? It sounds like maybe 100% for some things, and and do you suggest po- boosting a Facebook post?
2: Sure. I'd love to talk to this one. This is one of my favorite topics. Um, I. On the Google Doc, I think Caitlin has shared the Macomb page. I just took, did a screenshot as we rehearsed this the other day. And at that point, there, I told you there were 4,600 people who live in the, in the region. The page in the last week, posts from that page had reached 4,307 people. And it's for the engagement. So that are people that either liked, comment, or shared a post. So they are actually having that conversation with you. 931 people had participated. So there were 931 people had either um, engaged with that page, and there were 605 fans. So the engagement level was 150 percent. And so, and I've seen um, stats like 10 percent engagement is often considered a benchmark for success. So this is a very engaging page. Um, We're asking specific questions about. um, We're not asking big broad questions. We're digging down and. Having conversations that, like, just like people have in their backyard. So, I think this is a good example of it really working.
0: And Julie, can you just, um, for for those of us that that might not be very involved here, can you just explain the difference between fans, likes, and engagement?
2: Okay. So fans, fans are, or, well, fans are how many people like your page? Okay. So or for, so you'll see so Macomb has 605 likes. But and but then another another way to use the word like is when I make a post and say, "Hey, um did you see Joe on the news today?" and then someone clicks like on that post. That that that's called a like. And engagement would be the the number of people engagement are people who have either liked, commented, sh- or shared your post.
0: Terrific. Okay, thanks. Uh, moving, moving on. Uh, Hill, Jill, sorry, Jill from Missouri has written in. What is recommended for gathering photos? She says that they have an annual contest and historically have added all the photos to their website, which is very labor intensive. Uh, since they are student art projects, caution is needed with names, etc. There are usually over a hundred finalists, and that may be mean posting eight hundred plus, plus entries. And she says, yes, we also have a Facebook page. So what do you do if you have eight hundred photos? Is this is this the place to put them? Let's just have the the photo uh discussion. Uh Leslie, do you
1: do you want to start here? Sure. And I have um I've been involved in photo contests a couple number of times. Uh and that is the question, is what do you do with all your entries, and how do you uh, display them? Um, I can say I, I've done this in a couple of ways. Uh, one time we partnered with the local newspaper, and the newspaper had the ability to, to post very large galleries inside of in the newspaper's pages. And we could link to that gallery, and that was really effective because um, it also meant it. You didn't have to go to our Facebook page to see it anyone who subscribed to the newspaper could see it as well, so that partnership worked out very well uh, uh, the thought of putting you know uh, even a hundred finalists into a gallery on Facebook is a little daunting, and really that's not I think facebook not the highest and best use of Facebook. You may say post a few every day. And, get, and use it as a, as bait to get people to come back and say, oh, let's see what they post tomorrow. That's a good idea. Um, you may post a few and then link out to say there's a, a platform called Flickr. Uh, Flickr is a place where you can store a lot of photos, and uh, and they're easily presented, and it, it, people could link out to Flickr to see more, and then they could dive in as deep as they wanted. I, I don't view Facebook as a place for the deep dive, but... Uh, either partnering with a, a newspaper, or maybe your local uh, university, who might have the capacity to create galleries for you using Flickr, and then definitely taking advantage of the images to promote the contest and get people interested. So, you know, some interesting, good ones that you like. Um, I can see that being very valuable.
0: Terrific. And I and I see that Caitlin has also used another third-party platform called Woodbox or WooBox. Which she has um, she has entered in there, so you might want to check that out as well. And Julie, what what do you feel is a, the most effective way to use photos?
2: Well, one thing is oh, y- if, you your, if you check your if you check your if you check your insights, video and photos are definitely very very important, and the more you can use them, the better better your posts will be received. Um, I've learned some pretty easy ways to use to gather photos. So uh, maybe back up a little bit. At the community foundation, there are times when things are so important to us that we pay uh, pay a top-notch photographer to do that work. And so ours are very some photos are very professional. But we also have really good luck. There's easy ways to get photos. You can use um, what I do mostly is snap a couple with my iPhone. I run them through the Instagram filters which you know you can do all kinds of fun things on Instagram. You can add words to them by things like there's a program an app I really like called Word Swag, W S W A G. Swag's one of my favorite words. But um it can put some really neat um fonts and words on it and then just use those for the photos. So it's pretty easy to you don't have to be a pro. And you can just have a lot of fun with those pictures. And all of that, I mean, even to do all of that would be five minutes from the time I took the picture to the time I loaded it on Facebook. I can do it, you know, I've done it sitting on the couch watching TV or in my car. So it's not hard. And mostly just go and have fun with those photos. But when you can get photos, use them.
0: Okay. Terrific. And... uh Moving on, I was just I was just noticing something else that was came in here. Okay. What is the best social media to use to get attention drawn to your business or organization? So, Bethany from Colorado is interested in her business or organization. Uh we're interested in getting people engaged in community engagement. We've been talking mainly about Facebook here. I think Joe also talked about Twitter. Uh Joe who had the first question. So what other types of social media should we consider, and what would they be used for? Leslie, you want to start with that?
1: Sure. Um, I, I really do stand by Facebook as the, the behemoth and the, the the one, if you've got to put your eggs in one basket, that's where you put them. Um, Twitter has gone much, much more mainstream than when it started 12 years ago. Twitter was uh pretty insider. Actually, it was a great – Twelve years ago, when I was at the museum, um, it really was more about groups of professional people or colleagues who were communicating. And now, of course, it's everybody. Um, And I wouldn't discount Twitter. It's so easy to use. It's a good companion to Facebook. Uh, When I first got into this, I used to. There were you could you could um, post on one, and it would post to the other. I've since learned that there's different voices for different platforms and uh, it wasn't a good idea to put the same post on Facebook that I put on Twitter or vice versa. There's just different voices and uh, Twitter may be changing and that's going to be interesting if they lift the 140 character uh, limit. But um, it, it's one of those things where you really want to be everywhere but you've also, if you, realistically, you can get spread too thin, and I've been there, too, where you're trying to feed too many of these social media and watch and monitor too many of these social media applications. If something happens and, God forbid, there's a crisis, and you might quickly find yourself swamped. So I think Facebook is um, the one to put your eggs in, the basket to put your eggs in. Twitter is uh, number two. Actually, Instagram is in there, too. So... It's one of those situations where you want to do them all, but you've got to carefully weigh what your capacity is.
0: Exactly. Julie, some thoughts about uh, different platforms.
2: Well, one thing I think Leslie said that makes a lot of sense is whatever you do, be able to only do what you can do well. Don't spread yourself too thin. Um, Where we live – Facebook is where where it is. You know, we talk to people. Where do you get your information? Just like the people in Macomb when we first met them, and they said, you know, this this is where it's happening, so that's where we want to be. So I think you need to be mindful of how your target market wants to communicate. Um, we um, if there's the platform that interests me the most besides um, Facebook is Instagram because just those visual, all those visuals and um, I don't know. I think I just think it's a really rich platform. So, if if I were going to spread one more level, we would go to Instagram. And, and while we're on the train, can I yeah. back up a little bit? We forgot sure. to talk about the boost. The boost. The I Facebook. was just going to
0: say. Did we talk about that and cost? And it, yeah, actually, you can you can boost uh, by paying a little bit of money,
2: right? Right. So, uh, about a year ago, or a little bit over a year ago, Facebook really became more of a pay, pay-to-play platform for um, businesses and nonprofits, and but it's still really, really cheap. And in Macomb, I think we had a great example. Um, as we were kicking off the whole Macomb Heart and Soul process, we bought an ad in the local newspaper, and it was a Porter Page, and it, we still have a paper that shows up on our porch steps every morning, everybody in the county, so all 70,000 people in the county get that, more or less. But um, that ad cost six hundred dollars and so one quarter of one page, and you know, I, I tell you right now, my paper's still laying in my driveway. So, so, I was, so you know, who read it, who didn't read it, who's busy. Meanwhile, for the very same time, we, uh, paid for a la- very large ad. This is actually the largest ad we've ever paid for, for uh, Macomb, but we paid $20. And over 6,000 more people that lived within 10 miles of Macomb, the place we cared about, saw that ad. So, um, you're not going to get to connect with all billions of uh, followers of Facebook, but for $1 or $2, you can connect with the people you want. You can target it by their their jobs, their activities, their interests, where they live, their ages. It can be a very targeted ad for $1 or $2. So at the Community Foundation where I work, um, I think the monthly budget for boost is about $50. For the town of Macomb, we would spend about twenty dollars a month. So that's a that's just an incredibly cheap investment in marketing, and it and it just it so targets your post. So uh, we don't boost every post. We um, there's different schools of thought about this. We would boost a post if it's something that might not be engaging, but we need people to know. So we need you to come to the summit on March nineteenth. We'll definitely boost that. The other posts we boost are. We'll, we'll watch them once we post them, and a lot of, if once they start to take off, if they're really getting a lot of momentum, then we boost them then too. So it's something we watch, we play around with, and you're not wasting a lot of money. And I think I honestly think you have to do it, especially in this small town format. We're not trying to talk to the whole country; we're trying to talk to people within 10 miles of Macomb, and we can do that. Okay, sounds
1: worthwhile. And I would just add. Ran, and I know, Julie, you agree with this, uh, Facebook has gotten very noisy. There's, you know, if, if you are a regular user of Facebook, you know your news feed is just – it's almost impossible to see everything that comes in every day. So uh, I, I agree with Julie, it's a very small investment, and it really helps get the word out. Okay.
0: Terrific. Uh, Melissa from Illinois has, has a number of, of questions. Uh, that really are about getting more people responding. She asks, what types of, fo- of posts are most effective or garner the most likes or retweets? Um, how many posts does it take to get a strong following? Um, and I'll, I'll hold for her, her last one, which are, are more tips. To, well, and she also asked, what are your best tips for getting more people to follow or like a page or campaign? So these seem all quite related. So what types of posts, Julie, do you find most effective that really get those likes, get
2: those retweets? Ret- ret- well, if you want to, first of all, if you want some people to engage with your page, you need to ask them to do something. So the best example of that was, um, what, what do you think about a new restaurant? What, what kind of menu do you want to have? you need to talk about things people care about. I think I, I think one of the most important things I've learned is you shouldn't approach a page to to force out what you want. It's not about it's not about we need you to know this as our followers. You need to be very intuitive and be connecting with what followers want to talk about, what they care about, where their interests are. And very, you know, get right down into the weeds with them. One example of a post the community foundation did that was highly successful, and I didn't do it, so I can brag about it. Yet, but there were uh, two trains that had been mothballed, like trains kids could ride, and actually I had ridden them when I was a kid 50 years ago, and they've been mothballed, and all of a sudden uh, a group, you know, got them out, repaired them, and put them in a new location together. And so the community foundation posted about those trains because we had, the foundation had made a grant to fund that um, them being refurbished. But but so we said you know what do you think about the trains? Are you excited about the trains being back at Riverside? And then we put the times when the, you know this weekend you can ride the p- trains between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. and or whatever. So that post went viral because we gave our followers what they wanted to know. What our followers wanted to know is, when can my kid ride the train? Is it open now? We also had a very beautiful picture of the train on that, so it was it was visually pleasant. But then we kind of tagged on a little bit, you know, partially funded by a community foundation grant. So by giving our followers what they wanted and needed, then, then we were able to tie our brand to that. But if we would have just made a post... Community Foundation made a grant. No one would have cared. Two people would have liked it. Probably like me and my mom or something. So, so I think it, you know, you have to think about what do people want to talk about? It. You can't force it, especially in community. What, what's the town talking about? Right now we're talking about football. And then, you know, or we're talking about the girls volleyball team. Or we're talking about when's the Easter egg hunt. So you need, you need to really be mindful of what people are talking about. And it's just the same thing that, that conversations that are having all around town, you need to have those on Facebook.
0: And then you kind of tie your own strategy and goals to that if mm-hmm. if you want to add a comment. Mm-hmm. Right. Leslie, anything to add?
1: Uh, and I agree with that. I think also you think in terms of showing, not telling, uh, conversing, not lecturing. And when I was at the museum, re- the most popular post that I would do would be, for example, uh, the museum had a very large landlocked boat, and one day the guys were shoveling snow off the boat, and it was a, it was pretty, and they were it was a funny scene, The, the guys shoveling snow from a boat deck, um, got huge play. Every season, every flower that was in bloom, the lilacs, and exactly we we sh- take photos of the lilacs and remind people, hey, come down to our lilac event. Foliage shots, you know, would bring out a lot of nostalgia all over the country and the world. People would say, oh, I really miss the foliage in Vermont. I wish I could be there. And um, just it's what people are thinking about. And it, you don't have a lot of, you have very little of their attention to get their attention. They may be looking at this on a phone, on a teeny screen. They We all have 3,000 things going on at once. And it's those fleeting emotional moments, I think, that are some of the most effective.
2: That's really good. Um, can I can I say one more? Sure. I'm sorry. Can I say one more thing? I think anytime you lift up other people, you celebrate other people. Um, that's the things that are going to get shared. So the fourth grade, the third grade video, those little kiddos made that video, and that's what's going to get shared because every grandma, mom, aunt, uncle is going to want to see that. In Finley, we have a page. It's a, a knockoff of the Humans of New York page, but it's called Humans of Finley. And a local guy um goes around and talks to kind of unsung heroes, takes their picture, writes two hundred words or i don't know that's two but two some text, and posts it and then everybody that knows them is sharing that so so if you tried to say like "Look at the community foundation, we're awesome, no one cares, but as a community foundation, if we say Look at this teacher who just won an award for uh, whatever, state science teacher of the year, hash hometown hero, that's gonna go viral. So I think it's anytime you're celebrating others, it's always gonna benefit you. So I'd say be humble, be celebratory, be conversational, ask a lot of questions. Those are the things that'll make your page grow faster.
0: Terrific. And Melissa also asked kind of an important question: How many posts does it take to get a strong following? This might be: How often do you post? How many posts? Um, not sure exactly what she's getting after, but, but let's uh, say: How often do you think you need to post to keep a following on Facebook? Uh,
2: um, go ahead, Julie. We we would rarely post more than once a day. Um, I don't know, three to five, probably three to five times a week. Um, one thing you, on your Insights, you can tell what time people are active. So, And so at the Community Foundation, we know, it seems like people check their Facebook when they get to work. And so oftentimes we'll post right before 8 a.m. 8 and kind of get on their mind first thing in the morning on a weekday. Now, if we have something really big that we really want to, We really care, like we're going to release a new video or a post that we think is going to be just the best one ever. For some reason, Sunday night at 8 o'clock, everybody's, you know, you're done doing your thing. You're just sitting there looking at your tablet or your phone. That's going to, we know that works for us. Now, for different organizations, it might be completely different. In Macomb, it's a bedroom community. So, if I post something in the day, it's gonna get almost no traction to five p m five thirty when everyone gets home from work and I think that's interesting, so I think you play around with it, you watch it, you have insights that can help you, you kind know, of try to guess what might work best, but to me, that's the fun of it. This is like a big adventure i just it's like a social experiment. I love it
1: <laughs> great Anything to add to that, Leslie? no, I agree i think you I think you can overpost too I think you you it's content, content, content. Have you got good content? If you're trying to manufacture stuff to meet artificial deadlines, it's gonna. It could appear that way. I've seen a lot of company websites where it's very clear to me that they're canned posts, and, and they just they aren't effective because they're they're not real. So keep it real, I guess.
0: Okay, thanks. The the next two questions are potentially similar. Um, Sharon from Oregon asks, would the speakers address specifically using social media for advocacy efforts, and I think Julie, in, in a way, you answered this when you say, "You know, give them what they want um and a little bit of of what you need um and somebody else is asking, how can social media help with the Flint water opportunity so uh that's perhaps we'll get to that as, as a crisis, but those are two questions that come out can Can you use this for advocacy efforts, Julie?
2: Oh, I think you can. I, um, per- unfortunately, personally, I haven't had really very much ex- experience about that. And when, I ca- when Flint comes to mind, I'm going to tell you my um, political leanings here when I say this. But um, I follow Michael Moore, the filmmaker, and he's had a really strong voice in the Flint um situation, and so he's using his voice to advocate you know to talk about how shameful it is what's happened and what how the governor has respect and responded to that and um town town hall so I mean there's obviously organizations out there that are you know, great at using um social media for advocacy personally, I haven't used that I haven't really had that opportunity though
0: okay um I, I know that some people use facebook um for crisis um a community crisis have either one of you um had experience with that when something is happening in the moment uh to really use facebook as a as a place for conversation um understanding better finding out what's going on
2: i I personally have not I'll have to defer to Leslie on that one
1: yeah I think um as far as using social media for advocacy, yes. I mean, it's, I think what you're, when you're when you are doing advocacy, you're trying to com- create community around your issue. It's not really any different than uh, creating community around a brand, say. You, you want people to identify with what you're doing and be emotionally attached to what you're doing and come on board. So uh, in a way, I, while I have not done specific Advocacy for a cause—I've certainly done advocacy for nonprofits, in that you know, a museum or Orton Family Foundation. So, and that's good storytelling. It's, it's putting out connections and finding those obvious connections that line up well with what you believe in, and reaching networks of people beyond. So, uh, in a way, it's it's just good social media.
0: It it sounds like both of you really. do advise to making Facebook completely public, the the page public, so anyone can comment on it, um, which is one of the questions here. But also Karen in Maine has asked if there's a sample social media policy uh, that can be used. And and while our guests think about that social media policy and, and if it's out there, we hope that everybody listening uh shares your personal experience too in answering these questions. We're coming to the close of the call and uh, maybe you have a social media policy that you'd put out there. Maybe you have some ideas uh for folks in Flint and how to use social media around that particular issue. So we hope that you also contribute to the um to the doc. Do either one of you have a social media policy um that might be
2: posted the- here? Uh the community okay. foundation where I work has one um I have to find it and <laughs> but I mean I think we have some very basic understandings um we talk more about our goals we have some very specific goals and our brand um we're brand warriors and so um under, anyone who posts on our page would have a, be expected to understand our brand and what is on brand for us and um we also have I don't know if it's in our policy or not, but, you know, there's some pretty strong expectations. Like, I really can't go on my personal page and be, you know, going off the deep end um and expect to work here very long. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, to, it, I don't know. It's just some basic understandings, I guess. But we do have a policy. But I'm for, I, I, You know, I, when social media was really starting to come on board, I remember that was a big topic, and they'd be cumbersome and huge and scary, and so... Um, I really haven't thought about it since the beginning, so I, I apologize not to be more helpful on this.
0: Well, maybe people can uh, link their social media policies. If they have one, if, it, if it's if it's helpful, I think that was one of the things that up in Montana they felt they needed to do around not, not allowing posts that um, particularly attack individuals. Leslie, any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I think uh... – most companies have social media policy. We just uh, finished writing up a blog contributing policy because we're uh, thinking about inviting guest contributors to our blog. There are a lot of examples to be found online. It is important to have social media policy so that you do you can share with people. Look, this is why we deleted this post because it was a personal attack, and here's our policy that you know that's backing us up. So I think it's important. There's a lot of examples out there. I know we just finished our blog posting policy. I to be honest, I don't know if we where our social media policy is <laughs> if it's there.
0: Okay. Well, we are almost out of time, so I just want to ask our guests one last question. Just, you know, one thing that we may not have touched on, uh, or that you advise to get folks kind of started and, and um off often running or doing uh, more around social media to um to the best effect in their communities. Julie, you want to start?
2: Uh, can Leslie go first? <laughs> I, oh, Leslie. Okay, but like,
1: look, I just say don't be afraid of it. Be real, be genuine. Uh pretend that you're talking to your friends. And, you know, what what is interesting to you and what is compelling to you and what Makes tears well up for you, probably does for everyone else. And think, use it like it's you're talking to your best friends in a room and you're having coffee together. Terrific.
2: And, and I would, I would just add, have fun. Um, don't be afraid to. There, we've kind of told you some rules, but don't be afraid to break them. And they may work differently. On um, one page that um, we talked about on the. On the webinar or on the video, it's called Finley F-I-N-D-L-A-Y Hope House. A page. It's a homeless um, shelter. Take a look at that page. You're not going to believe the engagement they have. And the director there breaks every single social media rule, but she can because her stories are so compelling, and she has spectacular engagement. And not only engagement, but gifts follow and. Everything you hope for from a social media page happens to her, and she breaks all the rules. So have some fun. Break the rules. Um, Think about it as a conversation. It's ways to listen to see what your constituents uh, care about, and just enjoy it. I just think it's one of the most fun things I get to do.
0: (laughs) Terrific. Okay, thank you so much, Julie Brown, for joining us from Ohio and giving us so many great examples from your experience.
2: You're welcome, and it's really an honor to participate with your team. Thank you so much.
0: Terrific. And don't forget to download the video of Julie's webinar, the um, Tips and Tricks. There's a link uh, to that webinar um, on this uh, Google Doc page. And thank you, Leslie Wright, for your insights and knowledge.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, Fran.
0: And I'm seeing some very good uh, resources are coming up on the Google Doc, so check it out. Um, everything from other, other places to go where you can find out more, people are adding to it, and I encourage you to continue to add. Uh, Caitlin has also put up a link to a very brief survey at the top of the Google Doc in the announcement section. We hope you take a moment to complete that survey and tell us about your experience on today's call. It will help us learn how we can make this series most useful to you. A podcast of this call and the Google Doc notes will be emailed around and posted online. We hope you join us for our next Orton Family Foundation event. In February, we look at Tapping into the Energy of Youth, and that will explore how to get young people of all ages engaged in your community and what a win-win effort that is. We want to thank you all for participating, and we hope you walk away psyched to beef up your social media use to engage your community. For all of us at the Orton Family Foundation, I'm Fran Stoddard. Hope to see you next time. Bye-bye.